1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world, by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. Today, my guest is the director of Apparition Hill. His name is Sean Bloomfield. Sean, first of all, how are you this afternoon?
0: I'm great, I'm great, really happy to be
1: here. Sean Bloomfield has directed Apparition Hill. Uh, It's currently playing in Los Angeles and opens in New York on Friday, November 25th. Sean, again, welcome to the show. And I have to say right off the bat, you have a curious way of casting a film. Can you tell us about (laughs) that? (laughs) Yeah, of
0: course, yeah. So, so this is the first time I've ever done uh, done any kind of uh, casting call. You know, in the past, I've kind of found stories, found people to follow, uh, you know, with a camera, and, and the stories developed out of that. But mm-hmm. in this case, I really wanted to get a very diverse group, and, you know, I figured the best way to do that was to really invite people to to enter. So the, the gist of the film, it's about a place called Medjugorje, where a lot of really millions of people go, they go as pilgrims, many of them claim to, to experience life-changing, uh, really experiences there when they're, you know, when they're in Medjugorje. So there's there's a lot we can talk about that, but, but really with the casting, it, it, it just, um, I invited people who had never been there before to submit a video, and I really wanted to get some skeptics and, you know, people kind of going through different things in life, mm-hmm. so... I opened it up to everybody and really encouraged people, uh, especially people that didn't really believe or didn't know what to think of it, mm-hmm. to answer because you know that was the best way to make it make it a, bi- a unbiased report on what was happening. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of entries, hundreds of entries, and you know some of them were, were really heartbreaking, some of them were really funny intentionally and not intentionally, mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. of them were some of them you know the the ones that we ended up bringing I think. Right, right when I saw them, I, I felt like, hey, that person has to come. You know, it, it wasn't too hard of a decision. Everybody kind of asked, was it hard? But, you know, I was looking for a couple of things. The, the beauty of having a video submission contest to cast a film, um, documentary film, is, is that you can see if the
1: people are comfortable on camera or not, and yes.
0: you can see if they're natural. You know, like, I know some of the people who submitted, um, you know, they would either... Not not really even look at the camera, or they would um, be clearly reading from a script. Even though what they were saying might have been pretty powerful, mm-hmm. um, it, it was clear when people were speaking from the heart, or just reading something they had uh, written, or reciting something they had memorized. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that was a big a big part of it was finding people who were natural. And the other part of it was finding diverse diverse people. Yes, because we really wanted to you know make it a diverse group and. We ended up, you know, at first I, I think I said I was going to bring five people. Um, really ended up bringing seven people, and, mm-hmm. and the eighth person was actually a uh, filmmaker who submitted to be to be part of the film, to be in the film. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I found out she was a, a really talented filmmaker, and I needed help on the project, so, so there I ended are. up, um, <laughs> yeah, bringing her bringing her aboard, and it, it really it really seemed like it was meant to be, you know, we. Uh, she she ended up um, really having a, a huge part in in making this film as as good as as it is. So it you was know, a
1: really interesting experience. And, and you know, um, I, uh, I I certainly was being serious, but also a little tongue in cheek about you had a unique way of casting a film. But in reality, as a, as a film actor, and and you certainly as film director, we know that a lot of films uh, these days, especially, are cast by. Seeing videos, digital uh, videos of, um, as a matter of fact, I was cast in Lincoln because Spielberg saw uh, a video of me, a digital uh, submission. But what is unique about this is that these are not actors. You went out into the real world and sort of married what some might not consider real, certainly supernatural phenomena, miracles, if you will. Uh, again, I make no apologies for being either filmmaker or Roman Catholic. But you found <laughs> seven strangers to take on this journey to a village in Bosnia. And correct me, uh, it's Min- Minjoria?
0: It's, it's uh, Medjugorje.
1: Medjugorje. So it's, yeah, it, it, we,
0: it, we even kind of make fun in the film that it, it is such a hard word to pronounce. I uh, the, the Croatian language is, is kind of difficult, but it's... Um, yeah, Medjugorje is how you say, it? and I'm not even saying it exactly right.
1: But uh, well, I know,
0: part in all the submissions was how people tried to pronounce it. Yes. Um, you know, there were all sorts of different ways. So in our film, we have a little medley of that to kind mm-hmm. of lighten the mood a little bit.
1: Yes. And many and many people involved on on camera in uh, Apparition Hill pronounced it differently too. I heard it several different ways. But so, but yes. the the point is, some people believe that miracles have occurred, specifically the Virgin Mary has appeared. And this, your film, Apparition Hill, if I may suggest, is about, okay, let's take a number of different people, diverse opinions, feelings, atheists, non, uh, believers who are having struggling with their faith, a struggling addict, um, a mother struggling with cancer, a man with, uh, mm-hmm. diagnosed with ALS, uh, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, most of us know it as that, and And we go to this place to realize i guess to try, to look for life's big uh, answers to life's big questions and one of those exactly. big questions that I found so intriguing is, do you realize that someday everyone you know will die now, uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and that thanks to uh, you, uh, I've been haunted uh, by on that
0: flaming, lips, obviously. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. I I have to say, when I read that about you and your film, I mean, I had to go sit in a the corner there for a bit and think about that, because I don't think we do think about that. Uh, uh, no,
0: it's it, it's very difficult to think about that sometimes. It, it's kind of a, a mind-blowing thing. But, uh, you know, it's it's one truth. If, if all of us uh, are going to experience one thing in life, um, that's,
1: that's it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So tell us about this location that we all pronounce a little differently, Medjugorje. Sure. Yeah.
0: So, well, I'll start. I'll start back a little bit. As you know, as a as a
1: Catholic, you, you might be familiar with stories of similar stories throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, a place called Fatima, Portugal, oh, yes. in 1917, when the you know World War One was was
0: raging, and um, it turned out the same year that that uh, the Russian Revolution happened. Um, you know. The, the, these three kids in, in Portugal claim that the Virgin Mary appeared to them. Mm-hmm. And she appeared uh, over a series of months. And on um, the final month, um, October 13th, there was a, a miracle that over 70,000 people claimed to see called the Miracle of the Sun. Yes. And including a lot of skeptics, atheists, uh, a lot of newspaper reporters were there. And they all claimed to see this, this really profound moment when the sun started spinning and moving. But mm-hmm. even even more interesting than that were the the secrets in Fatima, there were there was really one secret, but in three parts. And mm-hmm. the third part wasn't revealed until the year 2000. Um, and it was uh, kept by the Vatican, you mm-hmm. know, most of that time. But that, that third secret, or the third, third part of the secret, really seems to be a foretelling of um, World War II and the rise of of communism stemming from Russia Mm -hmm. and how it would kind of spread throughout the world and uh, cause a lot of problems. And um, then in the end, she said her her heart would would triumph. Mm Now, fast forward to 1981, communism has spread, and um, these six children in communist Yugoslavia claim to start being the Virgin Mary again. Which, um, you know, it's an interesting connection that, uh, you know, the people that were most against these kids were the communist government. And yes. they were heavily persecuted. Yes. Uh, there's a, a really interesting book that I helped, helped uh, put out. It's called My Heart Will Triumph. It's the autobiography of one of the visionaries. And she, um, she got pretty much tortured by, by the communists. Mm. And, you know, before, before her claims, her life was a very normal, nice life. Mm. and um after you know she started claiming this she was persecuted very very intensely and yes. the communists really didn't relent at first and um despite that millions of people started coming to Medjugorje. it was like a, a flow of people that the communists could not stop mm. so eventually communism died out it's interesting also in uh, i believe it's yeah 1981 mm-hmm. june 25th 1981 um, is when it started, yes. and then June 25th, 1991 is when Croatia declared its independence from communist Yugoslavia, yes. so exactly 10 years later, they declared independence, and you all know about the, you know, the war, the terrible mm-hmm. war that broke out there, that was kind of the, the last throes of communism in, in that area were, were a big part of that, and, and then it, you know, kind of went into nationalism and, and all sorts of factions fighting against each other. But really, you know, another interesting part about Medjugorje is it's not only, you know, it didn't just start in a communist country. That area, Bosnia-Herzegovina, is also kind of a cultural crossroads. Um, it's really where Islam meets uh, Catholicism, oh, yes. meets uh, Orthodox Christianity. It, it's really a, a really interesting amalgamation of people there. You know, you'll have you'll have churches and mosques right next to each other yes. in towns and uh in a lot of ways it, it in that exact region where Medjugorje is it's it's brought people together um one beautiful thing is some of the local imams from the mosques actually come to uh to Medjugorje and believe in it you know mm. I, I interviewed them in my my last film the triumph and uh, it showed showed kind of how this message uh, supposedly from the virgin mary has brought people together mm-hmm. she comes as she says the, the queen of peace that's how she identifies herself so you know, seeing seeing how in the Quran uh, Muslims really venerate the Virgin Mary as much as Catholics do in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. so it, it's the most fitting that she might be the one to bring them together. You know, if, if what's happening there is real. And um, you know, the the first time I went to Medjugorje, I was I was incredibly skeptical. That was about sixteen years ago. Mm. I didn't believe it you know i, I wasn't a, a practicing uh, catholic or anything mm-hmm. I, I was baptized catholic when i was a child and then not raised in the church at all but anyway i ended up here and in medjugorje and i kind of went and did my own thing climbed the hill where the kids see claimed to have seen the virgin mary and um just little by little you know i, I just saw things that really convinced me that it was was real um, or at least seemed real to me mm-hmm. and it, in in a lot of ways that experience kept bringing me back you know at first out of curiosity and then because there's just this feeling of peace that one gets there That that's really hard to describe mm. so with apparition hill you know I, I really wanted to capture the possibility like does this you know to show will it happen to other people who have never been there you know mm-hmm. following people on camera the other amazing thing that happens in Mechagoria, and really, I don't know if it has anything to do with the spirituality or just people, is that many people go on pilgrimages. They might go 10 to 20 people, um, but all these people that don't know each other usually are thrown together, people of different ages, different mm-hmm. backgrounds, different um, beliefs, <laughs> different politics, you know, everything <laughs> thrown thrown together in this group, and they spend maybe 7 to 10 days together experiencing Mechagoria. By the end, they've bonded so deeply that they're like a family, and mm. they maintain contact with each other for many years after, and um, often even take trips back to Medjugorje together. So, I wanted to see, you know, kind of study what what was happening there, why why was that happening, and trying to do this this film like as an unbiased look um, was really the the way that that I thought we could do that, and. In a way, I feel like we accomplished that, mm-hmm. uh, and even more, I feel like the story went in a whole different direction that, that none of us really thought it would. But like you were saying, you know, about that quote, um, everyone, you know, will one day will die. Um, obviously, I, without giving anything away, the the film kind of talks and investigates that in a, in a way that I think brings the idea of death as something that can be um, beautiful and natural, and it's something that we all have to go through. Exactly. And In a way that, you know, I think a big message from it, um change your life. Can, in, they say convert, but it's not convert necessarily to religion, but just, mm-hmm. you know, convert your life if, if you're not going the right way and always be ready to stand in front of God. Um, and live each day like it's your last.
1: And yes. And that's such a big message from there. Um, I, I feel like the
0: film kind of went in that direction without us pushing it in that direction.
1: I agree. I, I have to say many times when I talk to filmmakers on radio, I have only seen a trailer or read about the film, but I've actually seen your film, uh, Abolition mm-hmm. Hill, and I I very much think you have, I think you accomplished the goal you you went to accomplish, but you accomplished other goals as well. <laughs> That probably yes. developed as you were filming, uh, and that speaks Absolutely. to you, to you and and filmmaking, and to life. Uh, it, life mm-hmm. is at its best when we give it an opportunity to, uh, to sort of live through us, as opposed to trying to direct it all the time. But yeah, I um, I want to talk more in in our second segment about um, a, a couple of experiences that I have in common with the people that. Mm. traveled uh, and were a part of your uh, film. But uh, before we take a break, I'm just curious, why do you think, it, um, it may be an obvious question, or but but why do you feel that millions of people are traveling to Me- Medjugorje specifically? I
0: think, you know, in the, in the same way that so many people are, are filling theaters to see our film, it, it's word of mouth. I think Medjugorje... Um, it's word of mouth but almost like not with the mouth you know Mm. it's it's people say you know 1981 some people went there they heard about it they were curious and when they came back they either talked about it or they were were
1: visibly different to their
0: friends and family they had some kind of peace about them because whatever they experienced there brought them that you know that's what everybody reports is a sense of peace and it's been a compounding effect i feel like you know then the other people would go because their friends had gone and they wanted to see what it was about.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's not like it's being advertised or
0: anything. It's just it's just being talked about mm-hmm. and it's being lived. I think it's it's a message, it's a message about life and how to live a life, mm-hmm. a better life, a, a, a happier life, a life of peace, a life focused on on good things. You know, on on eternal, I guess. And I feel like people are hungry for that. Yes. And when they see people changed, they want to, they want to find out what they experienced. Exactly. And that's why I think people are going
1: there. I, I agree. And I think it also, uh, Life and your film, and Medjugorje as well, teach us that miracles come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, we have our preconceived ideas about what a miracle is, but I think your film mm-hmm. illustrates beautifully visually beautifully as well. Um, the transition, the arc of life, uh, is in itself a miracle, depending on how we choose to live it. And and of course, I think miracles happen every day. Sean, why don't we take a break now? I am talking to the director of The Triumph and of Apparition Hill. Uh, we'll be right back. We have lots more to talk about, so stay with us. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. It started in 1993 with pure evil. Three eight year old boys found hogtied and butchered in West Memphis, Arkansas. Three teenagers arrested, clearly drunk on sinister music and devil worship, exuding satanic presence. One even confessed. Kill them, cried the community. Guilty, said the police, the prosecutor, the judge. Four documentary films tell of the same horrifying events. Paradise Lost, Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills was the first. A standalone masterpiece that provides incredible insights from every side. The police, the families, the prosecutors, the judge, and the defendants. A simple story no more. Guilt settled. Truth in question. Two sequels update the story. New revelations, new questions, a miscarriage of justice, likely. Did we need a fourth film? Absolutely. The first tells the hideous tale in real time as it unfolds. With the benefit of hindsight, West of Memphis fills in the rest of the story. The real story. Ultimately, the West Memphis Three were released after 18 years on an Alfred plea, which asserts innocence while acknowledging damning evidence. Face saving for the system and justice for none. Paradise Lost and West of Memphis. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. Again, my guest today is film director Sean Bloomfield. Sean has directed The Triumph. We are talking about Apparition Hill, uh, which is currently playing in Los Angeles and opens in New York on Friday, November 25th. If you're just joining us, the film features seven people who start out as seven strangers that uh, Sean picked via a, a kind of a video contest, if you will. Tell us your story on video and why you should be a part of Sean Bloomfield's *Apparition Hill*. I had just—I um, hadn't asked this question, but I did want to ask Sean: uh, Did you approach the film with any uh, religious preconceptions?
0: Well, you know, I—I I, because of *Midjourney*, I—I came back to the the church, to the Catholic Church, and and really, you know, I'm, I'm not any—not a hugely religious person. I, I really, you know, love to learn about everybody's beliefs and cultures and I, and I really try to embrace everybody no matter what they believe or, or don't believe and mm-hmm. I think coming at it from that point of view um you know coming at the film and and trying to bring you know we didn't bring atheists to say that they're wrong uh, mm-hmm. we didn't bring skeptics to say that they're wrong it, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything like trying to prove a point really we brought them because we wanted genuinely wanted to get their their feedback and their ideas and, and their point of view on on what was happening, you know, what is happening in, in Mezhgorya, and mm-hmm. in a way, I, I kind of joke we, we made a religious film for non-religious people yes. in a way <laughs> that kind of you know, it's not just for religious or non-religious people. It's really I feel like we made a religious film that can appeal to a, almost anyone mm-hmm. um, because we did bring so many diverse people and we we tried to treat each each of their um, opinions and, and theories um,
1: with respect. And, oh yes absolutely yeah, that's that's important and and even some of the religious capital r who who uh, priests and so forth had their versions and take on things that might not have been what we would have expected traditionally or historically mm-hmm. um but everyone was open and respectful to one another and whether or not minds were changed lives were changed i think it's fair to say yeah. Uh, the film does not impose any particular POV, other than being open yeah. to all POVs. How about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a wonderful way to say. It. You know, that, that that's something that we've kind of struggled with to get out there to get that message. We don't want to give away things about the film, um, you know, but but sometimes we get comments like, oh, it's probably just another religious film. I'm saying from people who have never seen it. That's been probably the hardest thing to overcome because there are so many so many faith-based movies out there that uh, give the whole idea of faith kind of a, a, a bad flavor. You know, yes. they, they they say it's their way or the highway, basically, and yes. um, we definitely want to do that to the to the point where we don't even want to call this a faith-based movie. I, I don't feel like it is. It, it's really a, a movie about this place, Metroid, yes. for everyone, and it, it's no secret that, that I believe that something is happening there, but even skeptics believe something is happening mm-hmm. there. They, they just... They just don't know what, you know, and that's the enigma of the whole place. It's really a huge mystery, and um, I I think that's why it
1: made such a powerful uh, subject for for a documentary film. Exactly. And if I may, as I asked Sean during the commercial break, one of the reasons I... uh, One may think because I do movies and television and because I'm Roman Catholic, that that's the only reason... I appreciate and respect Sean's work in Apparition Hill, but the reality is, in looking at the wide spectrum of uh, diversity of the characters, the people he chose to show as they experience whatever is happening, I I feel like I was a little piece of each one, and that's what uh, really drew me in. I uh, like Sean. I was, uh, you know, I. I was raised Roman Catholic, and my parents were very religious, but I wasn't particularly, uh, especially when it comes to the Virgin Mary and the Rosary, until I was in college, and I went to Europe, and I met a little, who I still call the little old farmer lady. I spoke very little German. I spoke some. She spoke less English, and yet we communicated to one another, and she showed me a photograph and explained it was Saint Bernadette. Well, I wasn't big on the saints either. I figured I could go straight to God. Why any, you know, why any in between uh, middlemen or women? Well, I ended up uh, probably curiosity, even then thinking like a photojournalist. I took my camera. I went to Fatima. Well, I went to Fatima much later. But I went to Lourdes uh, in in France and... um, something happened there and like you as as your film says i don't know what it was i just know i walked the stations of the cross in my bare feet and that in and of itself that choice i think was something that came to me it was not not something i would normally do even though i believe in god I, i wouldn't i wouldn't express it in that way but the the miracle for me is that thousands of people i saw every day tens of thousands three churches on top of one another just to have mass, be able to say mass for all of them. And then still masses were held outside. But for me, the miracle, and then I'll give it back to you, Sean. The miracle was I sat on a wall by passing river with between the grotto where the statue of Mary is and where St. Bernadette is is, is Uh believed to have seen her. And all the thousands of people uh, were were between her and me. But that was how I chose to see this. But the real miracle was all the hotels in Lourdes closed, locked their doors at midnight so the tourists would be off the streets from the general public, the people who live there, at least from midnight to 6 a.m. I would stay until 11.55 and then run to get back to my hotel in time. Two nights of this with the manager at the front letting me in and, you know, my French, his English. Um, he um, One night he finally, on the third night, he said, why are you coming in so late? Why are you running? His English was actually better than my French. And I t- explained from the grotto and he said, you don't have to run. I will be here every night to let you in. That to wow. me exactly. Okay, back to thanks for allowing <laughs> yeah. me to share that. But your movie just took me back there. I appreciate it, Sean. But let's hear more from you. Um, what made you yeah. What made you make Apparitions Hill? Well,
0: it's, it's really interesting. You know your story. You just you just told. I've, I've been to Lord as well, and yeah, it's a, a fascinating place. it's yes. It was 1858, I believe, when, yes. when uh, Bernadette saw the apparition of, of the Virgin Mary there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people still today, millions of people go there yes. or, um, for healing in that, that spring that came forth from, from where the apparition was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's another interesting thing. You mentioned uh, doing the Stations of the Cross near bare feet. Yes. And that was kind of a, a sign to you is that something was powerful there. And mm-hmm. for me, my first the to Medjugorje you know I didn't really want anything to do with all the, the people praying the rosary and the masses mm-hmm. and everything but I I ended up at the base of Cross Mountain which is a huge mountain that overlooks the the village and it's got a big cement cross that was built in 1933 mm. on the top of it and all the way going up are the stations of the cross yes. and uh for some crazy reason I took my shoes off uh-huh. and climbed that barefoot as well my first I think my first day there and uh just the experience that i felt of what i felt you know climbing that really really convinced me that something was going on there it didn't convince me that you know the virgin mary was appearing and giving all these multitudes at, at that point but it convinced me to look into it deeper because there yes. was something beautiful happening there and and that's what i did i looked into it deeper and i, I kept coming back and um eventually made a couple smaller films about it and Really, I, I remember, you know, my first films. I, I remember feeling like I was preaching to the choir, yeah. you know, the people that were seeing it were people that already knew about Medjugorje, but um, I no. feel like it's such a profound experience there that more people needed needed to see it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, film, I, I knew that I had to be as objective as possible, and, and that's why, you know, Apparition Hill came about, and um, again, it, uh, it, it things just fell into place in, in such a strange and beautiful way, like almost like like things like the film was scripted, even though it wasn't. You know, and oh, uh, mm-hmm. even from the beginning, when when I realized, wow, there's seven people. I've never made a film this big before. I really need help, and mm. and that's when um, this uh, co filmmaker now uh, Samilla, Kidanakis, she she had entered the film to be a contestant and, and I saw her film, you know, her entry was just so well done. I contacted her, found out she was a filmmaker and secretly she kind of wanted to help with the film if there was any way so wow. um, she became a partner on, on this and um, it, it, it really has a she, she gave a beautiful look to the whole film, you know, her style so mm-hmm. little things kept happening and, and we talked about how the film has a lot to do with 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 death and dying and uh, during the time of making the film on the last day of shooting when we're about to start editing uh, my father passed away he was only 58 years old and um, then my grandmother who I've been very close to got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer so throughout the whole editing process Mm. I was also dealing with that and in a way I I, I mean it sounds strange to say but it, it was almost like those things were supposed to happen in that time Mm. or they, because they happened, it definitely made the film kind of really ruminate on, on those big issues of of life and death. But as you saw from the film, like, you know, we didn't script it. What happened happened. And, um, we just kept our cameras rolling. So in a lot of weird ways, the, the, what happened in the film mirrored, um, what was happening in my own life. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm very happy that so many people are seeing it. You know, it's not just showing LA and New York. It's really, I think over 250 cities have seen it. Uh, oh, or wow. it's, it's shown in theaters there now, and um, we were filling up so many theaters through hosted screenings. Basically, anybody can host a screening. Right? Our website is apparitionhill.org. People can go on there and like um, basically rent a theater and, and get a screening license from us. And, a lot of people are doing it for charities. It's raised um, quite a bit for charities. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are hosting it just in their city, but we were, those screenings are filling up so much that uh, like AMC took notice and they've been bringing the film to their theaters for week-long runs. Uh, Ireland, it's been showing over there for I think six weeks now, um, and, and it's been filling up theaters there. So for a tiny little film, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really reaching a lot of people. Hundreds of thousands so far so um, and and we hope that will kind of continue you know that more and more people will continue to see it
1: well you know I'm not surprised and I hope more and more people will see it too because I think it's overriding message is about love and I think people are looking for you you know some sort of civility some unity some common ground and too much uh, unfortunately lately uh, the the impression that uh, religion uh, has given too many people as i once wrote it's giving jesus a bad name um yes. uh, you know religion is about love uh, uh, there, there are other things that are about love but true religion uh, be it muslim it jewish uh, uh hinduism uh you know and certainly christianity it, it is about l- loving all people and i think your film again with the diversity of the people you chose to follow with your camera, I think that it makes the point, as you say, without a script. Talk, mm-hmm. I know the effect it's had on you and me, but how, how about the camera crew? How about the people who, who <laughs> the seven people, how, how were they affected? Well, yeah, the, well, I
0: mean, for our crew, really our crew is tiny. You know, it was mm-hmm. me, uh, Samila Kidanakis who I mentioned, also Jesse Hannibal, who was, just out of film school with Wister over there and had her help uh, help as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, we were all deeply affected for sure. I mean, it's it affected our, our faith. Our, um, it was a, a very intense moment. You know, um, we've become very close friends with the, the cast. And uh, for example, we have a, a private Facebook message group, uh, just the cast and the crew. And all of us are always talking. Um, we're. The atheists even join us when we pray for, you know, one of us in, mm-hmm. that's, that's in this group. Um, you know, we, we look out for each other and we are, are very close. And it's because of the, the deep experience that we all went through, you know, in, in nice. making the film. Um, you know, and, and we actually in New York will we'll kind of have a little reunion with, with some of us, um, you know, the cast and crew. Pretty much all the crew will be there and um a lot of the cast will be there as well mm. and uh so we're kind of we're kind of making it like a you know a, a nice little reunion uh, to, to celebrate the success of the film and how many people it's been reaching but you, more so you know the more so than us how it's affected us but the beautiful thing is how it's affected other people yes. and um you know the audience and and that that's really why we made the film and what we wanted to get across was, like you said, the, the message of love. And so many people write to us after they've seen it and said, it, you know, it was so powerful. And it, the, the best thing that I hear is it's it's reminded them to love. It's reminded them to yes. cherish their family, cherish who they have in their life, and yes. to accept their sufferings with, with love, to um, be grateful for every day that they're alive. And those those kind of comments are, are what makes us feel like wow this film needs to be seen mm-hmm. by as many people as possible. Absolutely. And for us, it's a it's a miracle that it's been seen by this many because we we're not affiliated with any studio. We don't have a distributor. You know, we're doing this all our on mm-hmm. our own. This little team that we that we have. Um, we don't have much funds. We raised funds through Indiegogo, but compared to a, a wide-release film, you know, a, a tiny amount that we raised. And we're, you know, we're, we're getting the film out there as good as we can, but it's all about word of mouth. And it's because people are going to see it, and then they'll host the screening because they're so moved by it. Or they'll, you know, bring 10 of their friends next time they see it playing. Or, mm. or you know, they get on social media and talk about it. So just simply through word of mouth is, is how it's reaching people, but we've just been so so happy to see that uh, that it's affecting people's hearts and and the way they live in a positive
1: way. Well, speaking of uh, getting the word out, word of mouth, tell us again uh, the website and Facebook uh, link and so forth. Yes.
0: Yeah, so so apparitionhill.org is our website, and we have our our facebook linked off of that you can find us on on facebook and um you know we're always posting updates we're always posting the latest screenings it's pretty much showing in a different city every night and um some in some cases three or four cities in Mm. in the same night so just uh people can go to apparitionhill.org and click on the show times to see where it's showing
1: and that always updates so keep checking that and how, also if it's not showing near you they can you can host a, a screening. That's uh, really
0: the best way to get it out there. And there's more demand for the film than there are screenings. So most of these hosted screenings are, are selling out with, with not too much effort on the part of the host. Wow.
1: Well, Sean Bloomfield, I have got to say um it's been a moving conversation. It was a it was definitely a beautifully made film. Uh, apparition hill and uh, i thoroughly enjoyed watching it 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 is more than you think (laughs) you know people who (laughs) who even in listening to this interview if you have a preconceived idea that of what kind of movie this is don't do Mm -hmm. that see it um and you will want to host it too sean any parting words for us any uh, message uh, because it seems to me your efforts have been blessed how about that <laughs>
0: I, I, I have to agree you know I, I feel I feel just incredibly grateful to be able to to share a story like this with the world and and it all it all goes back to those seven people we brought there you know I just yes. want to uh, express my gratitude for them being so so open and honest on camera and for inviting us into their lives yes and you know when 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 you see the film you'll understand what i mean by right. inviting us into their lives and it was um a profoundly moving experience for me and i'm just so grateful that now we can share it with the world
1: and is this produced through stellar films do i have that correct
0: it's uh stellar mar films yeah that's the company that Camilla and i formed uh for this film and for our our next project we actually filmed two, two films the same summer. We, we brought a group of young people to the same place mm-hmm. um, for a youth fest that was happening there and filmed their experience, but this the Apparition Hill has kept us so busy that nice. uh,
1: we haven't
0: had a lot of time to work on Cross Mountain. That's the name of the other one, but we hope to release it in the spring.
1: And it's Cross Mountain, you say?
0: Cross Mountain, yeah. Yes. That's the name of the, the second film. It kind of a follow-up of this, but it, it's a completely different cast. Uh, it Similar, but many different things happened, and, mm-hmm. and the changes and experiences that the, the young people had was was really profound. You know, yes. I think it'll speak a lot to your generation.
1: Got you. All right, we have been uh, talking to Sean Bloomfield, the director of the Triumph and Apparition Hill and Cross Mountain, which will be coming soon. Yeah. But Apparition Hill is playing now in many cities, hosted by. More often than not, those who have seen it who wish to share what it uh, its message of love and unity and civility and union and uh, but I think in my own personal opinion one of its greatest messages is being open to different points of view and it's a beautifully made film um, and we thank you so much Sean Bloomfield for being on the show today and we wish you all the best and hope you will keep in touch with us okay. Uh, Well,
0: thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure for me as well.
1: Thank you. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the indie film minute. Only Lovers Left Alive is not really a vampire movie because there's no shock, no horror. According to Jim Jaramouche, the film's writer and director, and a granddaddy in the indie world, it's a love story and character study. It is, but it's also a film with a luscious look and feel full of subtle detail and nuanced social commentary. John Amouche clearly has a jaundiced view of the current state of humanity. He sets his film in decadent Tangiers and also in modern Detroit, where decay suits the mood of a very tired vamp. Humans are called zombies by the vampire elite, but it's dangerous to feed on them because so much corruption has tarnished their blood. Pure blood procured for cash from corrupt medical techs is treasured for its sensual delights. Surprisingly, Only Lovers Left Alive is an intellectual exercise suffused in a sensual world. It's a personal observation by one who sees beauty in the margins, appreciates intellectual humor, and yearns to share the pain inflicted upon the esthete. No, this is not a driving vampire tale, but luscious vampire commentary. Only lovers left alive, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Before casting my first presidential vote disabled World War II veteran, conservative white Texas anti-JFK Democrat, attorney at law licensed to argue before the Supreme Court, Doyle Borchers, invited me to Annapolis for coffee. Doc's lesson, what you liberals don't get is America isn't just East and West Coasts, it's all that lies between. Immigration is not new to middle America, However, the concern of losing one's culture amidst more minorities who don't speak American can be frightening to those whose life experience has been diversity-deprived. But our 2016 election fault line is more than the politics of immigration and race, gender, and sexual equality. Our clash of time versus culture, expectations versus experience, to the rear march versus full speed ahead and damn the torpedoes, offers do-over of lost dreams or digesting melting pot reality. Elections are our opportunity for in-depth national, state, local, family, and individual soul-searching, because chasing the past by ignoring the future has severe term limitations. 1. Can conservatives define the change they seek? 2. To what values do conservatives want America to return? 3. Which America are we to be or not to be? Globalists saving the earth from ourselves? Or, it's not my problem, isolationists? Are sequestration, secession, and war the only solutions we have to heal our great divide? Truth is... Donald Trump has been dishonest with Americans hungry for anything that looked, sounded, and promised anything different. So, while the popular vote elected Hillary Clinton, the unpopular vote willingly prostrated before the altar of hacked memories over future innovation, preferring deregulation allowing coal ash fracking and factory farms to steal our healthy environment the unpopular vote chose paul ryan's cutting medicare and the fantasy that anyone could revive an industry abandoned by coal executives bequeathing coal families the pacifier of clean coal fiction In the middle of the night, Wednesday, November 9th, 2016, corporate media talkers talking the predictable predictions stumbled out of programmed fantasy land into a glimmer of the light at the end of their tunnel vision to see the glass ceiling darkly. What happened between Hillary's contested victory over Bernie in the 2015 Iowa caucus and James Comey's email flip-flops? Knowing when to hold them for pollsters and when to fold them in voting booths, the industrial cavalry had arrived. However, FDR baby boomers to Bernie millennials hadn't been joined by the post-November 22, 1963 African-American voters, nor 2016 offended women and Hispanic voters. Not enough to purge the mob rule of the alt-right or sway Americans determined to force-feed the college-educated the consequences of potential long-term disaster to make a narrow point." So, Blue Fire and Mexican wall focused, we discounted the uncounted diminishing white majority, forgetting there is passion and fear as well as hystery. Lessons to learn. The Democratic Party and Hillary Clinton? To assume is to make an ass out of you and me. And Trump's lesson? Keep it simple, stupid. Most Republicans, including Trump voters, aren't bullies and racists but too many voted to preserve the life in a rearview mirror that lost its silver lining a long time ago forgetting time waits for no one to keep up is no defense against memories colored by rusty overlays overlapping visits to grandma's house with longing to rerun black and white tv serials the bad news Some American families believe their financial security and personal stability have been lost by a myopic media able to focus us on only one, if-it-bleeds-it-leads, storyline a week. The good news. Media, government, and Wall Street respect what we tell them we respect. For they need our consumerism and votes more than we need their gossip, filibustering political ads and TV commercials. The best news. When the promised land is promised by those who break their promises, we have a teachable moment, if we're open to it. The Immediate News False prophets preaching division have forgotten America's national fabric survives political wear and tear to the degree each of us believes in the value of all of us. Clearly, we didn't vote for the gender, history, age, or race of either candidate. We voted despite character, to spite the perceived establishment. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but America got stuck with the most unpopular candidate in modern history, at least since Bush Cheney. Fortunately, like a timely pendulum, America's moods swing freely in reaction to the last shock or awe. Next time, however, if we want to make a point, run for office, sign a Justice for All petition, and physically visit Congress once a month. Point taken? Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you.